In this episode, we will explore the current astrology, particularly the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction. It is here. It is arriving as it meets the winged horse, a symbol for ascension and victory and triumph. This is a sensation that the gods are supporting our earth walk in these times. We will also touch on the Libra full moon and the sun entering Taurus. Ultimately, all of these aspects and alignments are bringing us straight into eclipse season. It is potent. It is powerful. These are times where we really want to be grounded and discerning. So buckle up and tune in. Welcome to Stars, Stones, and Stories. I am your host, Rama, and together we are weaving ancient future wisdom as we birth the new earth. If you're into astrology, cosmology, living mythology, earth-based spirituality, and ancestral healing, you are home. If you've stumbled upon this podcast and are new to these topics, this is Sovereign Sanctuary to expand and deepen your wisdom. As a cosmic priestess, I witness many at the threshold of great transformation. I specialize in astrological divination, sacred site activations, and priestess arts for the Aquarian Age. You may learn more about my work and budding mystery school at earthseedtemplearts.com or follow Earthseed Temple Arts on Instagram. This community is your opportunity to claim your story, your unique identity and power, knowing that you are the hero of your own journey. You are a hologram for the collective and you matter. The world needs your gifts and creativity now more than ever. Crystallize your medicine. Oh, great ancient ones great ancestors, we call to you. May you hear the voices of your descendants traversing through time and space. We humbly ask for your support, your wise medicine ways, and your genius solutions in these times. Dear ancestors, we wish to partner with you, for we know we cannot do this alone. As we traverse the mystery, we ask that you, our starry ancestors, are with us each breath of the way. May we have clarity of mind and crystalline vision to see through the dark. May we walk our paths of high holy truth, as that is what is needed now more than ever. And so it is. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Stars, Stones, and Stories. As always, I am grateful you're here. I know how sacred and holy our time is in this Aquarian age. And so 
that you choose to come and circle up in this way really means a lot to me. And I've enjoyed getting to connect with more and more of you, meeting you through private divination sessions and people just popping into my life through messages in my inbox or on social media. So I just really want to say I love connecting with you. Please take a moment. Let me know who you are if you're a listener and you haven't introduced yourself already and consider joining the Mighty Networks platform, the Stars, Stones, and Stories community. I know I said a couple months ago we're just getting started and we are. I promise you it's been I've been knee deep this past really couple of years in in clearing some immense immense internal experiences ancestral experiences when we're doing immense saturn work we have to limit where we put our energy i'm coming out i'm emerging out and really excited to be more and more in different public domains and i'm excited to connect with more of you and i'm really feeling that i have more authentic energy to do that so bear with me it might be a, a couple more months till i fully pick up steam uh however i encourage you to to continue to circle up in the ways you're able to to stay tuned to the various offerings that i wish to deliver this particular episode is really special because we're we we've finally arrived at the Jupiter Neptune conjunction. It's coming as we're preparing for it. I'm recording this on Friday, Venus Day. It's April 8th. Right now the moon is in Cancer, coming to meet up with my Mercury in Cancer in my 10th house. So it feels really aligned to be recording right now, to be speaking to you all, because this is like my natural space and place of where I like to speak from. And I want to just take a moment to to give gratitude to my ancestors, because I record this podcast in my closet. It's the most serene place in my dwelling where the sound comes through the best. And I have my ancestral altar in here, so I'm literally like at the feet of my ancestors when I'm recording this and connecting in with my Wedame as well. And with that, I just want to honor Elder Maladoma Somme. Many of you, if you've been a listener of Star Stones and Stories, you've heard me speak about him. And if you're new here, just want to say welcome. I'm so grateful you're here too. Elder Maladoma left his body in the last eclipse portal in December of 2021. And it's been a really challenging uh, experience for me personally, because I, I learned so much from him and through him. And I've been completing a graduate program that I began in January of 2018. And that program took away so much of my, quote, spare time, end quote. And I had so many plans on ways I wanted to continue to work with Elder Maladoma, including doing his divination course and doing more immersions and 
going with him to Burkina Faso and Great Spirit had other plans in store as we quite often learn that there's this important thing about when you connect with someone who is a teacher for you, a true teacher. And I don't throw that word around lightly, having spent a lot of time in different lineages where it's kind of like imposed that you have to find this teacher. I think, you know, if we're lucky to to really meet our true teacher, it is such a blessing. But that relationship has been really distorted in a lot of spiritual communities. And a teacher is not an authority over you. That exactly is why I knew Elder Maladoma was my true mentor and teacher, because he never wanted to be an authority over me in any way, shape, or form, or over anyone from what I saw and witnessed in the times that I worked with him. He was an incredibly, incredibly humble medicine man and a healer and a poet and a visionary and so many other things so many other titles and labels that we could give him. And he was an initiated Dagara elder, and he had a very particular specific medicine in this incarnation to bridge bridge the indigenous world with the Western psyche and to bring healing to the Western psyche in all the ways that the Western psyche has distorted us and confused us and bogged us down. And also, I would say his particular medicine was to bridge us, us as humans, to to the other world, to the spirit world, to remind us of our ancestral ways and uh, to, to sit in his presence was so powerful and so potent. And I hope you never tire of hearing me speak of him because I cannot and I will not stop speaking of him and his medicine for it has truly, truly touched me and filled me up in so many ways. And this past Saturday, we held a memorial service. When I say we held, I cannot take any credit for holding it. I can only say that a group of us showed up and Teresa, Elder Teresa, who has worked diligently alongside Elder Maladoma for nearly 20 years, supporting his work and administering so many of the immersions and doing so much of the behind the scenes gritty work in all the ways, um, she really took the lead and and some other elders in the community. And it was such good medicine to arrive on the land where I had first met him and sat in many divinations with him and sat in many immersions with him. And to be on the land and to feel his presence and to witness his burial through film that was created in honor of that where he was buried in his family compound in his village in Burkina. It it really was powerful. It, It brought a lot of healing to my heart. And it also stirred up the unprocessed layers of grief as well. And 
Elder Teresa said to me many times that what what my work is is to continue to bring my medicine out into the world. And that's the greatest gift and that's the greatest way to honor his memory and his work and his blessing. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, like being a human in 2022, it's exciting and it's daunting as I posted on Instagram earlier this week. These are exciting times. They're also daunting and immense. And I realized with Elder Maladomo's passing and the various other initiations I've been going through that this is my like what I'm personally being initiated into is to really fully be in my own authority and authorship. And thereby, it's something I've been speaking to you all about and will continue to speak to you about because these are the times where we really need to take the mantle of our spiritual maturity, our spiritual authority, and step into our power and to stop looking to others to tell us what to do and how to do it and just go out and do the thing. We we need that from, from each one of us in these times. I need you to take whatever inspiration you receive from stars, stones, and stories and apply it in the world. The future generations need that from you particularly. And that is my living prayer with Star Stones and Stories and always has been. I've had a vision for this podcast for many, many years. And as you know, if you've been an avid listener, I started this in Beltana of 2020 because I realized with the pandemic that it was kind of like now or never. Like in my mind, I was always going to write my book and and then I would do my podcast and and I thought in 2020 I'd I'd have published my book, but I realized like my graduate work and that program really was taking full precedence and I couldn't do both while simultaneously doing deep, deep ancestral healing and clearing. It's just like you can only hold so much in, in a given day and we can make our nervous systems really strong and, and really stretch wide and far. But we also have to be like realistic with Saturn about how much we're actually capable of holding. Because in these times, if we take on too much frequency, like you will get slammed. And we've seen it. I mean, you can see it out in the public. There's plenty of examples. And... um I love the technology of of kundalini yoga and unfortunately some people use it to kind of like like they literally are like frying their nervous systems out with it and I saw that and I I could see how I was on the path to that and as many of you know I took a sabbatical from teaching for various reasons right a lot of it around the just to honor the victims of Yogi Bhajan's abuse and that whole trauma uh, timeline. And I thought in some part of me that maybe I was completely done with the practice. And what I realized, particularly when I was in the Great Pyramid 
in December of 2021, this this past winter solstice, that I need this technology for these times. And it really was meant for these times. And that was something Yogi Bhajan spoke about endlessly. We can look to many of these yogic lineages that have been brought from the East to the West and find perpetrators and abusers and people who have mismanaged power. And we can see it in many spiritual communities. We can see it in all communities, right? Therapists do it. Doctors do it. Politicians do it. There is not a single field. Artists do it. I mean, I saw it in art school firsthand. I experienced it. And I th- I thought I was taking refuge in the kundalini yoga community from that sort of dance. And in 2016, I became really aware that it was actually quite the opposite. And so I purposely like walked away from an entire sanghat. Uh, and it was hard. I didn't want to consciously, but I knew that I had to for my own path and clarity of mind. Then four years later, I found myself walking away from the practice altogether. And now I'm reclaiming that for myself and I'm finding my way within it. And I just feel called to share a little bit about this. And if you want to know more, please stay tuned to my Venetian love notes and to my writing on my website, earthseedtemplearts.com, because I am going to really write a formal statement around how I feel about kundalini yoga now and how I want to be offering it to the world. And I'm still kind of figuring it out. Um, but I, I just feel called to share about it because it was something I publicly claimed that I was complete with and I was going on sabbatical from. I want to honor like where I've been and where others have been. And also, I want to honor the fact that it does not feel aligned for me to completely throw out the practice. In fact, that feels like an abomination on some level. And I know some people would disagree with me, right? Like a lot of people burned their books, their manuals, um, a lot of teachers stopped teaching. And I've just really chosen to take a more kind of neutral path in the sense that I want to approach the practice much more kind of open and not so dogmatic to the Dharma, for sure, not dogmatic to the Dharma. And I'm also being very selective about the sets and meditations I will teach because I could definitely sense having spent a lot of time going into some of the much deeper, more hypnotic meditations. And I am also a trained hypnotherapist, so I don't have problems with hypnosis. In fact, I think hypnosis is great, but I think it's important for people to understand that they're signing up for hypnosis. And yes, we're all being hypnotized all the time, which is a whole other topic. The point is, is that I'm I'm working with this practice and I'm actually really loving working with it again. I'm finding a lot of stability. I'm finding great 
confidence in my own body and really coming back to myself. So it feels good. And with that, this week on Sunday, April 10th, Mercury shifts from Aries into Taurus. And this is opening up Taurus season, so to speak. Later on in the month of April, we will find the sun shifting into Taurus. And at the end of the month, we have the Taurus new moon partial solar eclipse. So we have two new moons in the month of April and a lot of really strong, significant astrology. And I want to help break it down for you. So when Mercury enters Taurus, our forms of communication, the way we're taking information and sharing information is shifting. It's becoming more grounded, more earthy, more methodical, more Venetian. It is more about like, what are we creating? What are we building? What's our culture that we're calling forth? And so Mercury in Taurus, it, it's a little slower than Mercury likes to generally work. And it's also an important experience to really ground in after the intensity of Aries season and Mercury in Aries, where we can be very kind of like rash and almost childlike and also kind of domineering with our speech. Mercury in Taurus is a really beautiful time to like write poetry and to journal and to reflect. And I encourage you to be journaling through this month of April, especially your dreams, capture your dreams right when you wake up. And I'm going to speak more to that after the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction transmission that I'm offering you in this podcast episode because the dream state is extremely, extremely important right now. And once you hear what I have to say about Jupiter and Neptune, it's going to land on your ears in a much different way. So again, on Sunday, April 10th, it's at 10.09 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Mercury makes his shift, you know, Mercury as Thoth to Huti as the messenger shifts into earthy Taurus. And then that following day on Monday, April 11th, around 9.30 a.m., we have Saturn squaring the North Node and the South Node, the true nodes. And Saturn is in Aquarius. And um, on that day, we also have the moon is moving into Leo. And so as the day progresses, uh, the moon is also going to be squaring. It's going to be like a grand cross or a grand square. I'm just bumping up um, the time here so I can tell you when that's going to happen. So it's around 7.40 p.m. and that's Eastern Daylight Time. The the moon is going to be in Leo opposing Saturn and Aquarius, and they're going to be in a grand cross, a grand square with the north and the south node, the north node in Taurus, the south node in Scorpio. So Monday evening, April 11th, 
is probably going to feel like things are probably going to feel pretty tight and intense. The North Node is speaking to our collective Dharma, destiny, our North Star, where we're headed. And that North Node in Taurus is has a lot to teach us right now, especially because the North Node and Uranus and Taurus are coming to meet this year. And they're coming into conjunction now. So as we enter this eclipse portal, which I'll speak more about the North Node and Uranus and Taurus meeting up in episode 50. So stay tuned for that, which episode 50, we're going to go deep into eclipse season and how you can work with it and how you can prepare for it. So make sure you're receiving notifications that you're like subscribed two star stones and stories so you don't miss it when the episode drops and you can really hone in on how to work with this eclipse season masterfully because this eclipse season is so important and I want to remind you JP Morgan's statement millionaires don't use astrology billionaires do We are in the age of Aquarius. We're all artists. We're all entrepreneurs. Even if you work for someone else, I hope, I pray that you see yourself as a visionary and as an entrepreneur. For me, like what that means is really about taking the helm, the mantle of your spiritual authority, of your independence. This is where we stop blaming and shaming whatever other institutions and we just like you know, pull ourselves up by the bootstraps, as they say, and we get we get into it and we we take leadership like whatever it is you're naturally drawn in, into your life. Like if you care a lot about, you know, cute little kittens or, you know, if you're like, I just want to grow roses or if you're like, I care so much about the earth's water and I'm really concerned about the ocean and how to protect the, the sacred mother ocean, Yamaya, like whatever it is that you're drawn into, trust that because that is part of your unique medicine path. And the reason why you feel that urge is because it is your path. It's as simple as that. Elder Maladoma spoke about how doubt is the poison of modernity. And I want to make a bumper sticker of that because I feel like those of us who live in the West who are like so entrenched in modernity, but the truth is modernity has slipped like, you know, our our global addiction to oil and plastic has slipped into every crack and crevasse of um, the global culture. We're facing the ramifications of that, meaning that doubt has poisoned Not just the minds of modernity, because modernity has stretched into the indigenous heart as well. And so it is up to those of us who come from modernity, not to rescue, not to save, but to take full responsibility and to get in and get gritty and do this work. So I really feel that there's something to receive with the Saturn squaring the nodes and Saturn opposing the moon and Leo on Monday, August 11th, around 7.40 p.m. 
And with that, if you live in the Asheville area, you probably know I'm offering a yoga series, Romance Yourself, and there's still time for you to join in with us if you want to drop in, especially on that Monday night, the 11th. I think it will be a prime time to be in meditation. And this brings us to the much-anticipated Jupiter-Neptune conjunction. If you traverse the 2022 masterclass with me, you know that I spoke about how this Jupiter-Neptune conjunction is one of the most important alignments of 2022. It is a very exciting alignment. There's a lot of possibility. There's a lot of expansion. There's a lot of wisdom we can gain from this. And also, it is a time where we really need to be in our discernment, where we want to be grounded because there's so much otherworldly support that we want to be able to correctly interpret the signals and the signs and the symbols. This is a key time to be sober and to be grounded into our practices If our energy is mismanaged and if we're kind of splattering all over the place and we're intoxicated or we're taking in other substances, it will most likely be very challenging to really receive the multitude of miracles that wish to come through this important, significant conjunction. Something like this only happens about once every 160 years. So it is a gift, an immense, immense gift to be able to experience it in our lifetimes. The Jupiter-Neptune conjunction is exact on Tuesday, April 12th at 10.42 a.m. That is Eastern Daylight Time. And I've cast the chart from the nation's capital of the United States as I'm living in the U.S. and a good amount of the listeners here are also in the U.S. We have people all over the world as a part of Star Stones and Stories, which I am just loving our global community. I'm so grateful for it. However, um, I quite often cast the charts from the U.S. because that's that's where I am. And when we look at this chart, we can see that there is a big call, especially for anyone living in the U.S., to really utilize this conjunction to be of service. This is a conjunction that is really here to help us connect to our higher self, to think about what our greater work is in the world and how we're going to offer it and what our hopes and dreams are for the future. Who's our community? Who are we networking with? Who are we interacting with? Where's our tribe? And I'm saying that because the majority of the planets in this chart, as I cast for um, Washington, D.C. and the U.S., are in the ninth, 10th, and 11th house. So we've got this like massive stellium occurring in both Aquarius and Aries for this conjunction and a good amount of planets and Pisces. 
We have the moon in Virgo opposing Venus. And Virgo, that Virgo moon is in the third house of expression and utilizing our voice and really receiving information as well. So when we consider a conjunction, it is a marriage. It is a marriage between two or more bodies. And in astrology, we can say a conjunction is like the purest of all aspects. And these aspects are intense. They're beautiful. A conjunction itself is beautiful. It's a marriage. It's two or more beings coming together. And when we think about a marriage or a unification of any kind, there is beauty and there's also crisis simultaneously because you have two individuals coming together to create unity, which means there's something that has to be dissolved within each in order to unify. And we know Jupiter as one of the social teaching planets. Saturn would be the other. Jupiter really offers this principle of improvement. Jupiter wishes to expand our lives beyond the material world to assist us in our search for meaning, truth, for our ethical, real values that ground us. Jupiter is a planet of spirituality and ultimately expands everything it touches, teaching one how to grow beyond their limitations. Jupiter teachings bring in concepts around success and wealth, creativity, how we may grow and expand and evolve, the way we can bring in a greater sense of prosperity, meaning how do we really enjoy that which we have in our lives? There are many, many, many wealthy people in the world who don't even know how to enjoy their lives. And then there are many, many, many people in the world who live in what is perceived as poverty, but enjoy life, take up resonance with the elements. They're grateful for everything they have. Jupiter teachings are teachings that transmit prosperity, meaning to enjoy that which you have before your very eyes. All of these archetypes also bring in shadow frequencies, and part of the shadow with Jupiter can be a sense of false hope or over-optimism. And that's something we want to consider with this Jupiter-Neptune conjunction, and that is why I'm speaking so strongly towards grounding practices, really committing to a daily practice. If you do not have a daily practice, create one in this conjunction. Start a practice that can take you deeper into the Aquarian age and can help you navigate these radical times. In astrology, Jupiter rules over the signs of Sagittarius and Pisces. And Jupiter rules the process of growth and preservation governing the liver. In Kabbalah, Jupiter is connected to the ethereal absorption within a man, the power of scent within the body of humanity. 
the sense by means of which the developed soul perceives and partakes the finer aromatic essences of nature. We know Jupiter is the largest planet and on some level it represents all that is truly good and charitable within human life. Nobility, taking noble actions from the kind of restraint of Saturn or the crassness, the brutality of Mars. Jupiter brings in higher moral nature and greater fortune, dignity, and marking one as sincere, faithful, and generous. As we consider Neptune, Neptune is a transpersonal planet, meaning that it is further away out in space. Saturn is like the bridge between the social planets and the transpersonal planets. And we could consider Neptune as a higher octave of Venus. So Neptune connects us into love as an unconditional force known as agape. This is spiritual love, mystical love that travels through states of bliss, dissolves ego boundaries, seeks ideals and perfection, which can never be found in physical form. Neptune rules the realm of dreams and the subconscious, unconscious mind. And Neptune ultimately wishes to merge, to dissolve boundaries and ego. The shadow of Neptune can create codependency, fantasy, illusion, delusion, deception, denial, an avoidance of reality, addiction, and a complete sacrifice of the self. Neptune is a small planet, and as the higher octave of Venus really is instilling that like platonic love, that ideal love, and our entry into a golden age. Neptune rules over the sign of Pisces. And therefore, Jupiter and Neptune, part of what makes this conjunction, this marriage so significant for them, is that they're merging together at 23 degrees, 58 arc minutes, Pisces. When I cast this chart in my other software, it came out as 23 degrees, 59 arc minutes. So you might see it listed as either by other astrologers, and we would round that up to 24 degrees, Pisces. We know Pisces' frequency as water, universal, mutable, changing, shifting. Pisces has this need to commit to a dream or an ideal. It is all about the frequency of I imagine. How does one imagine? This is a feminine yen sign of deep sensitivity, intuition, the realm of dreams and visions, that feels deeply compassionate to the world at large, unconditionally loving, and also simultaneously introverted. 
Pisces is the mystic, the artist, the seeker, the channel, the psychic, the priestess, the priest. And the downfall with Pisces energy is delusion, being the martyr, martyr or the addict. Pisces people, and when we're in strong Pisces energy collectively, we can struggle with escapism, avoiding reality, deep grief that is projected onto others, deception, boundary issues, being hermetic, being a psychic sponge. And as we know, the ancient ruler of Pisces was was and is Jupiter, and the contemporary ruler of Pisces is Neptune. So Pisces brings in this real expansive, dreamy state, all about diving through, swimming through the collective consciousness and the imagination. Pisces as this pair of fish coming from the flood, clearing away the snows of winter, the feet of the grand cosmic man, the foundation of all things, patience, servitude, baptism by water, a true connection with divine purpose. Neptune entered Pisces in 2012. Since that entry into Pisces, we have seen so much transformation in the collective. We've seen a deeper immersion into the spiritual arts, into entrepreneurship. More and more people have been starting their own businesses. They're expanding their consciousness. We've seen more of a global citizenry coming online. More and more people have multiple identities in the sense of they might carry multiple passports. They might call multiple places home. There are more people acknowledging they're global citizens. They're not attached to one nation or one country's ideals. And we've also seen a lot of denial. We've seen a lot of misinformation. We've seen a lot of collective deception. Neptune's shift into Pisces has brought many blessings and also many challenges. And that is part of the journey in the sense that the dark and the light are feeding one another and this sacred dance of duality is part of the dance of creation on some level. So as Jupiter and Neptune meet, there are these themes we're working with around evolutionary synthesis, expansiveness, being in our loving kindness, having generosity towards all beings, connecting in the space of the heart and really coming from that warmth of the heart, celebrating others with pure joy while being free from comparison. And that is really important in this Aquarian age is like lifting others up for their accomplishments without hooking into them with jealousy. Claiming our personal infinity to connect in with the greater infinity of all that is. And the shadow of this conjunction, of this alignment, can be spiritual pride, being egoic, 
being kind of swayed by the glamour of spirituality. And when I say glamour, I mean the deception, the denial of various people. I mean, we can look at it just in the realm of astrology alone. You can go scroll on Instagram. It's like every other person has become an astrologer. The question is, what are these people's credentials? How long have they been studying? Who have they studied with? Did they take a weekend workshop and now they're calling themselves an astrologer? Did they read a book? Or like, you know, where where is the concentration towards deep devotional study and practice? And that glamour piece can come through where there's also within the spiritual movement, there's a lot of people who might have great a great amount of resources and so they can craft themselves to look a certain way like they've been uh, on a certain specific path for some time when really they're just kind of it's spiritual materialism they're just buying their way in and that brings us to this guru fetish this fetish that so many westerners particularly have where they're seeking that guru on a unconscious level and it's really so they can have an authority to project their own trials and tribulations upon because when you claim that and then when when the going gets tough then it's real easy to project your stuff onto others there can also be like a two high pie in the sky energy here meaning we can like really kind of get outlandish again this is why i'm encouraging you to stay grounded and to use your discernment to be in your spiritual maturity and authority through this conjunction and it will serve you immensely we have with this alignment a human capacity for deep spiritual expansion and expression to really and truly connect in with a global community to witness how science and the mathematics and the mystical movements may merge while also taking ownership of a functional and foundational need to commit to working on our own personal traumas and dramas and how do we lift off of that triangle of drama trauma rescuer meaning like the perpetrator the victim the rescuer like really taking ourselves off of that triangle and the way through is our own spiritual authority really embodying our wisdom calling forth our higher self to take up full residence in our physical bodies and to take accountability for our lives and that's a massive call when we heed that call we are absolutely doing and clearing profound profound ancestral patterns and blocks. This conjunction between Jupiter and Neptune 
aligns with two particular fixed stars, Alpegasus and Mu Pegasus. Alpegasus is also referred to as Markab. Markab is a fixed star that is known to offer a direct, practical, and motivated ability to take action. How may one achieve their goals and overcome obstacles? There's actually an exaltation with this conjunction, meaning you are so abundantly supported to achieve your goals and overcome obstacles. And as you're willing to face fear and any other emotional barriers, you can also conquer those frequencies and simultaneously like slay them. (laughs) You know, it's like the little Pac-Man eating the ghosts, like you're eating the ghosts of your ancestral lineage, meaning the ghosts aren't the actual people in your lineage. They're the unresolved traumas and dramas, the behaviors, the patterns. You're eating them, psychically eating them and clearing them and dissolving them as you walk through with your frequency aligned. This star, Markab, is said to influence all spiritual and mental nature to give a good head for figures to bring in intellectual alertness to really uh, align mental powers and last but not least offering the ability to further propaganda activity so i want you to consider that one As I mentioned earlier, J.P. Morgan said, millionaires do not use astrology, billionaires do. I guarantee you there are people out there who are very high in power on one level or another who understand the potency of this Jupiter-Neptune conjunction. This is, again, why we want to be grounded, why we want to be in our discernment, in our practices, because if there's any willy-nilly propaganda activity happening, we have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. Markab is a part of the Alpha Pergasi in the constellation of Pegasus, and we know of Pegasus as the winged horse. The name Markab is Arabic for a saddle, a ship, or a vehicle. In other words, this is anything that is ridden upon. And when I was learning about this, it made me think to ancient Egypt, to Kemet, as that is really, when I think of Arabic, I think of Egypt because Egypt is my second home and I think so strongly about the beautiful boats that float through the sky that carry, of course, we know in the mythology that that carry the pharaoh from the land of the living to the land of the dead. As a pharaoh crosses through that death portal, there's that sacred boat that sails through the sky and we've got 
Isis on the boat and Nephis and Horus. And this wasn't just for the pharaohs. This sacred, these sacred boats were a symbol of so much more and also for the people. And this Pegasus constellation with Jupiter and Neptune aligning within it as a saddle, a ship or a vehicle, this is an opportunity for your consciousness to ride through the cosmos and to be able to harness that stellar frequency of victory for you, for your ancestral lineage, and in turn for humanity at large. This is a like such a blessed portal that we get to be alive to experience and how we utilize it will absolutely influence us as we move into 2032. So the next decade is essentially foundational in crafting and architecting this new earth consciousness. In mythology, Belrophon tamed the divine creature of Pegasus and then rode Pegasus and slew the monster Chimera. Pegasus was said to be the offspring of the oceanic god Poseidon in his form as a horse deity. Now, Poseidon, if you know through mythology, is a form of Neptune. They're one in the same. So we have Neptune, like, not only do we have Neptune and Jupiter meeting up, but we have a fixed star aligned that connects in with the mythology of Neptune. So it's like there's there's this amplification that's happening here that's very specific and raising the the frequency, the potency of this alignment. I feel like right now, <laughs> as I'm like sharing with you, because I, I always prepare my notes, but then so much more wants to flow through and I just allow it. And, you know, I'm trying to paint the picture for you. I'm sitting in my closet. I've got my ancestral altar. I've got my candle on my altar and my offerings. I'm working with some of my beloved mineral beings that have traveled with me. These allies have been all over Mother Earth with me and absolutely, absolutely in these power places like the Great Pyramid and the Sphinx and Stonehenge and Cornwall and so many other spaces and places. And as I'm sharing about this story right now with Pegasus and Belferon, I feel like if you're a child of the 80s like I am, you'll get this. You know, I feel I feel that tie to the never ending story. And I'll never forget when I first watched that movie. I think I was six or five. And like we were so lucky, us children of the 80s, because 
we didn't grow up with technology in the same way that even children of the 90s did. We had phones, but they were all landlines. And, um, you know, we had like some like battery operated gadgets and whatnot. But like, for the most part, I think most of us in the 80s, I mean, we had TVs, but I think a lot of us spent time outdoors and in nature. And when I saw the never ending story, I just was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is life. This is what we do. We, we're just constantly living within these mythos and we're traveling through time and space. And when we're in these human bodies, we feel like a lot of us feel really confined to the day-to-day and kind of like the mundane elements and we can get bogged down by them and it's easy sometimes to forget the magic that is all around us and that's why if you're so blessed to connect in with an elder particularly an indigenous elder like someone like Maladoma you realize that like all those things that you knew in your heart and felt in your your heart when you were two and three and four and five were absolutely true and real. And a, a story like The NeverEnding Story allows us to, to tap into that magic through story. And um, I loved how he would like take the book and he would go up, I think it was like the attic of his school and read it by candlelight and then sometimes like the wind would come in or you know things would happen as like the timelines started to merge right it was so much about timelines and I know that you all want me to talk more about timelines so of course we're going to talk more about that in episode 50 because it's an eclipse portal and we're always working with timelines in a really intentional way through eclipses However, right now with this Jupiter-Neptune conjunction, there is very much a timeline possibility here. And I just want to plant that seed in your consciousness that 2032 is going to be a vastly different time for us frequentially where we're going to be on the planet. And what the seeds we plant, the prayers we plant, the intentions we have, the dreams we write down, the visions we hold in our hearts and our hands, the ways we traverse our mundane reality, shape, they architect, they build step by step, layer by layer, tier by tier, prayer by prayer, hope and heart. They they take us into the future. This is that merging of the ancient and the future coming together. And I'm really excited for this conjunction. I feel it. It's already here and yet it's not. And it's a massive conjunction because you've got a transpersonal planet, which ups the frequency. And then you've got Jupiter, which just magnifies everything it touches. So we're going to feel this energy, I really believe, all through the month of April into May. And remember, the month of May is full on eclipse season. And then we come into summer solstice for those of us in the northern hemisphere. 
and winter solstice in the southern hemisphere. So April, May, June are so significant for really anchoring in these light codes. And these light codes are your ability to connect in with these frequencies. This is why you are encouraged to devote to a daily practice because it is the daily practice that allows you to receive, to interpret, and to discern what the codes are. And it doesn't become some like weird, you know, new age hip speak. We're talking about an actual transmission through time and space. This is real and it is true. You are more than a physical body. You have multiple energetic bodies and you absolutely have a light body. And we can receive the codes of light from the bodies, the light bodies of these archetypal beings like Jupiter and Neptune meeting up with Markab within the Pegasus constellation. They're moving through time and space to us here on earth for a very particular reason. And so as we consider this myth, we know that horses have been long associated with the ocean and also the serpent-haired Gorgon Medusa, who I don't even want to call her a Gorgon, but that's what she was called. Medusa, very much a high priestess, absolutely. A medicine woman, absolutely. Her true story distorted through time and space, absolutely. And we see that time and again, right? Lilith, I mean, she's known as a as a demon. I wanted to name my daughter Lilith, and my ex-spouse was like, absolutely not. We will not do that. <laughs> and it was okay because I knew my daughter wasn't really a Lilith. But <laughs> um yeah, it's like it's time to reclaim these dark goddess archetypes for there's power within them. There's power within the darkness. And that's a whole other topic that we're going to to table for another episode. Pegasus sprang from Medusa's neck when she was beheaded by Perseus. And we know, you know, Medusa had the head of snakes and could turn men to stone by one glance. And so Pegasus came forth from her neck. Pegasus is like a, like a, a, a child, really, of Medusa. And this winged horse is a symbol of ascension, of victory, and of triumph. This Jupiter-Neptune conjunction is an opportunity for your own personal victory and triumph and ascension. And remember, as we're working with ascension, it is not about ascending off Earth. This is about actually taking in those light codes through your body temple and grounding them into Mother Earth. That is true spiritual maturity. That is true victory. Meanwhile, Jupiter and Neptune are also conjunct Sadalbari. This is a fixed star which brings in a self-assured, bold, audacious, confident, ambitious, and spirited character. A time of great success, of creativity, of <clears throat> merging scientific, political, 
religious, philosophical pursuits, our creative endeavors. And Saddlebari is also known as Mu Pegasi in the constellation of Pegasus and is derived from the Arabic phrase Sad al-Bari, meaning good luck of the excelling one. Good luck of the excelling one. There is triumph and there is ambition and there is intuition and enthusiasm that is connected with this alignment. However, we also want to beware of our judgment. Discernment is key. And Jupiter and Neptune also conjunct one particular asteroid. So I want to give out a shout out to Marsha from St. Petersburg, who I met during the Pillar of Light workshop. She asked me when I was giving a teaching through multiplying miracles, like what um, asteroids are Jupiter and Neptune meeting up with? And I was like, thank you so much for asking that because I have In order to access my full list of asteroids, I have to pull out my clunky computer and it's just, it's just, you know, it takes extra effort and I forget about it because I don't use it on the regular. So I looked it up and was really excited to see that Jupiter and Neptune are conjunct the asteroid Zeus. You cannot make this astrology up. I am telling you, when you get into the layers, it is just phenomenal. So if you are familiar, you would know Zeus is the god of the sky in ancient mythology. He is the chief Greek deity, considered the ruler, the protector, the father of all gods and humans, and is often depicted as like an older man with a beard represented with a lightning bolt or an eagle. So kind of like the Western concept of what God is and the patriarchy is, is very much Zeus. That kind, that symbol has lived throughout time and space on some level for the Western psyche, not all psyches. And In astrology, the planet that is connected to Zeus is Jupiter. Jupiter, as the most large and massive planet, was named Zeus by the Greeks and by the Roman, and Jupiter by the Romans, and was the most important deity in both pantheons. So this is so interesting because Jupiter and Neptune meet up at 24 degrees Pisces. They're conjunct the asteroid Zeus, and they're conjunct the fixed stars Sadalbari and Markob. And Markob has the connection to Poseidon. And here we have that double reflection of Jupiter and Neptune again. This emphasizes the potency and the palpability of this frequency. There's some other really interesting connections with different planets and asteroids. 
And I'm not going to go into depth around them because I don't want to muddy the palette too much for you all. Like I want to keep it kind of on point. But I do want to mention this, and that is that Venus is conjunct Jupiter and Neptune in this conjunction only by sign, not by degree. She's at roughly eight degrees. Jupiter and Neptune are at roughly 24 degrees. That's not close enough to be an actual marriage, but by sign, they're in the same, uh, they're, they're all in Pisces. And we know that Venus is exalted in Pisces. She loves to be in Pisces. It's like a great French romance novel. And in this alignment, the moment Jupiter and Neptune meet up, Venus is conjunct three. And I use really tight orbs for the asteroids, like a degree or less. Otherwise, I, I won't count it. And the same with the fixed stars. I only use a degree or less. Some astrologers will use a larger orb, but I feel like it it muddies the waters too much. And we want to, in my opinion, we want to stay really clear and pure. It gives, it gives a stronger resonance of what are the archetypal frequencies that want to come through. And Venus in Pisces at 7 degrees, 33 arc minutes, the moment of this conjunction. And she's also still widely conjunct Mars. Mars is in Aquarius, conjunct Juno. So there's that storyline still happening. But her and Mars are making their separation now. They've, you know, they've completed their Hieroscamos dance and they're starting to go off on their own unique paths again. And meanwhile, Venus is conjunct the, the asteroid Reiki, the asteroid Young, and the asteroid the Sphinx. And we know of Reiki. I mean, many of us have studied Reiki. I got initiated into Reiki as a Reiki level one and two and master in my early 20s. And I really infuse Reiki into all of my offerings. It's something I'm very subtle about. I don't ever speak about it. However, I use Reiki in my events. I use Reiki in in everything. I just see myself as like a beacon of Reiki. I believe there's a lot of healing, a lot of healing that's available. And with young, the asteroid young, as we know as Carl Gustav Jung, it was named after him, the psychoanalyst. Um, there's this really kind of significant call to be willing to go deep and far and wide into the hidden, into the unconscious mind. Jung spoke endlessly about how if we want to experience true healing on the planet, we are making the dark light. We are traveling deep into our hidden unconscious mind and shining a light there. And then we have the Sphinx also conjunct. And if you've had the great honor of being in Kemet and standing before the Sphinx, you know the power that is available. The last time I was at the Sphinx was 
the Gemini full moon that opposed the galactic center in December. It was December 19th of 2021. And there was that alignment between the golden gate of God and the silver gate of man. And I spoke about that in my first episode of 2022 that I delivered to you all. There's something so beautiful about being in private ceremony at the Sphinx because you're outdoors, but you're also in a sacred space. And so you are like connecting with this PowerPoint, but you're also simultaneously really connected to the Neturu, the the elements, the energies in a very profound way. You're on such a particular alignment of planet Earth with the Great Pyramid right there as well. People have spoken about over time and space the the riddle, the mystery of the Sphinx, like what is the right question you are to ask the Sphinx. And people debate, you know, is like that the Sphinx was actually built in the age of Leo and is over 40,000 years old and that the Sphinx was a woman and isn't a man. And then some will say, no, the Sphinx is a man, not a woman. And it, it, there's just so much there to unpack. There's a lot of mystery. And so Venus has conjunct this realm of mystery and the psyche and our ability to bring in great, great healing with this alignment. Conjunct the ilia column that I see for when I cast this chart for the United States. We have stereoscopia, the asteroid stereoscopia conjunct the IC. And this is an asteroid I feel really like at home with because I have it conjunct my Uranus. And Uranus is a place, especially if you're interested in astrology, you always kind of want to see like what is your Uranus up to because Uranus really rules astrology on certain levels and, and also the Aquarian age. Uranian energy brings in liberation. Stereoscopia is all about sound and music and DJing and voice and rhythm and tone and healing through sound. And something that I have like a deep, deep resonance with. And as it's conjunct the IC, I want to say to you that through this Jupiter Neptune conjunction, through the month of April and May, be very mindful about what sounds you take in, what you're listening to, the sound currents you're attuned to, the music you take in, because the sound currents are going to take you far and vast and wide if they're beneficial. And if they're not, they can kind of hook in and cause more distortions. So that's something we want to be consciously working with. This Jupiter-Neptune alignment is at 24 degrees Pisces, which is a, the Sabian symbol is a small, on a small island surrounded by the vast expanse of the sea. People are seen living in close interaction. This is about the need to consciously accept one's own personal limitations in order to concentrate one's energy and live a centered and fulfilled life. 
We know that each one of us is a small island in the vast ocean of mankind, and our ego also fulfills a necessary function as it sets boundaries and it gives a specific character to our consciousness. Within these boundaries, a complex interplay links and integrates the various aspects of the personal life so that we can operate constructively. In time, these ego boundaries may expand into the realms beyond the inner and the outer, beyond the individual and the community, the person and the multiverse. The Star Sparks is a spring festival. The participants are in a state of ecstatic frenzy. How do we manage being plunged into the deepest layers of collective, ancestral, and personal remembering and restoring of everything that almost seems like it's gone? We have to work deep inside. We have to cast into spaces that are hard to understand and the call is to do this at a conscious level. Communing with source ultimately is an inward matter. It allows us to drop all appearances so fundamentally that if we allow it, we will truly awaken in the dream and find the real world. The affirmation for this conjunction of 24 degrees, Pisces, Jupiter, Kisses, Neptune, with Pegasus and Zeus, I devote time and thought to manifesting positive outcomes in my life. In honor of the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction and what I believe is such a profound and essential time to be grounding, I want to share with you just a, a very small snippet of the terrain we're covering within Earthseed. And Earthseed is a live nine-week online course that I created. It launched in 2021. Thus far, I always teach it live. And in 2021, we had a spring council and a fall council. And I've decided that I will offer it once a year in the spring, around the spring equinox, we began the Spring Council of 2022 this past Tuesday when Venus entered Pisces. And the portal is still open to join us. It will close on the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction of April 12th. I really, truly believe in this course in so many ways. It is a weaving of my experiences and the practices and the principles that have been most foundational, most grounding for me. And Earthseed is the foundational course to my online mystery school, Earthseed Temple Arts Mysterium. I consciously am beginning with Earthseed as the foundation before I would branch out into realms that in some ways might be a little more exciting for others to teach about astrology and to teach about Egyptian cosmology and to teach about Reiki, the things that I know that a lot of people are wanting to learn more about. However, my prayer was to have a real solid group of people who are already embodying 
specific practices and principles that connect us with the elements that connect us deeply with Mother Earth. Because first and foremost, this is everything to me. And so we work in Earthseed with these gates in the body, the chakras, and particular minerals that came as very important for this journey, and they're all connected to the Taoist lineage. So we open Earthseed. The first temple is the Temple of Garnet. And Garnet is such a profound stone for these times, but I think also Garnet is really important for working with this Jupiter-Neptune conjunction. Garnet is very nurturing and it's stabilizing. And Garnet wishes to assist us from any entanglements to literally unbound ourselves. Garnet supports us deep within to resolve the conflicts between the self and the world at large, large, really teaching each individual that you are physically strong enough. You have everything you need here and now. You have the resources to get through whatever you're experiencing. And so the Taoists refer to Garnet as the pomegranate stone. It's this very red, iron-rich stone. It can come in other colors like green and yellow and pink and brown and purple and orange and gray and even black. However, typically we see it as a deep red, rich color. And this is because garnet really works with the blood and it helps to move the blood in the body. It really invokes this deep knowingness that you are alive, you are juicy, you are passionate in life. And as garnet nourishes the blood, it also builds the blood. It helps the blood to move where it's been stagnant so that if there's any space where there's been hidden or old or repressed emotions, where there's been like disassociation in the body, where someone is listless or not present, garnet comes in and it moves that blood and it allows you to feel. And to feel is to be human. To be human is to feel. It is like what separates us from the angelic world and other realms. We feel so much as humans and it is a gift. It is a gift to feel all the feelings. And Garnet wants to help us heal and to express our emotions because when we've experienced trauma, and that trauma can literally get locked, it can get coded and stored within the blood. Therefore, Garnet works to heal trauma, it works to heal depression, it wishes to help us enjoy the juiciness of our lives and what is right before our very eyes. And because of that, Garnet has this ability to extract negative energy from all of the chakras and to transmute the energy to a beneficial state of well-being. Therefore, it is a very grounding and strengthening mineral and crystal. Garnet also helps to stimulate the rise of kundalini from both the base and the crown chakras 
to allow for this free flow of energetic movement. Garnet offers a stable connection between the physical and the etheric nervous system and assists one with letting go, dissolving old obsolete ideas and to really bring forth emotional and intellectual regeneration. The Taoists believe that Garnet actually carries a flash of lightning within it and therefore acts with great speed, allowing one to change one's world by producing both expansiveness in awareness and the ability to manifest. It enhances one's internal fire, allowing creativity to rise. Therefore, this is a stone of commitment to purpose to others and most importantly, to oneself. For many cultures, it is seen as a powerful talisman that wards off danger, bringing in prosperity as well. And where I live in Appalachia, it is known that we have garnet throughout these mountains of Western North Carolina, particularly, and The garnet that is found is over 450 million years old. Can you wrap your mind around that? When we think about the power and the potency of the mineral world, and Maladoma would talk about how the minerals carry the stories, they are the literal story keepers, the storytellers, and the minerals of the earth correlate to the bones in our body. The minerals are the stones of the earth and our bones are like the stones of our bodies. And if you can imagine holding a piece of garnet that has witnessed over 450 million years of life on earth, That stone carries a wisdom that goes beyond what we can even imagine. And that stone, that ally, when you properly pair yourself with a stone as an ally, you cultivate a relationship like you would with any other being, like you would with a taking care of a dog or a cat or even a child on some level, right? I mean, it's not completely equivalent, but Jeffrey Yuen, who I've studied with in a number of courses, who is an 88th Taoist master, talks about how it's really important to care for your stones, care for your crystals, treat them well, love on them. And if you want to make strong allies, this is really important with, with any being, whether it's a, a plant or of the mineral kingdom or a particular animal totem. We want to treat that being with respect and with appreciation for its wisdom and its medicine. And If you felt called to work with Garnet in this Jupiter-Neptune 
conjunction portal that we are in the midst of, it is a really powerful time because Jupiter and Neptune coming together in Pisces at roughly 25 degrees is really connecting us with our dreams. And I've spoken with many, many people in the past few weeks that are having wild dreams, crazy dreams. And I've been having a lot of dreams myself. And I write my dreams down. I have a little journal that I have underneath my pillow. And I'll be honest, I go through phases where I may not write down a dream for like three months. But I was having some pretty wild dreams and I wasn't keeping up with writing about them. And just this week, I was like, okay, enough. Like, you need to get back into this. And it was actually the beginning of Earthseed that encouraged me because part of what we're working with within the Temple of Garnet is this concept of dream seeding. And as Garnet is so potent with working with the dream time, it helps us to really anchor in with our ancestors as our ancestors move through our body, through our blood. And we can literally invite Garnet into our dreams to clear trauma, to manifest and to build anew. And Garnet pairs with the red root chakra, which is foundational to connect to the earth and our ability to smell, to work with matter and survival and form. The root chakra is the beginning where we ground, where we honor the body consort as the body temple. And one of the ways we ground to earth is with food, taking in the literal fruits of the earth And when we consume with consciousness, we are activating this earth medicine. And with a strong connected root chakra, we can feel the reality that it is safe to be here now. And on a deeper level, we can say it is safe to be here now in my body. Grounding is a limitation, much like the planet Saturn. Limitation is necessary for structure and our ability to manifest in the world. And grounding helps us to be present in the body. It offers a willingness to be honest, to be real. Because the truth is, we are these infinite souls. And in this time and space, we are also our bodies. And no matter how multidimensional we are as beings, part of our medicine path is to be present in this body temple while simultaneously knowing we are so much more, we are so vast. However, the reality is, is that as we honor this now moment and where we are in this time and space, we create an anchor point And that anchor point is literally like a key to our liberation. 
Therefore, I invite you to consider working with Garnet with us in Earthseed, and perhaps you'll feel so inspired you're going to decide you want to sign up for Earthseed as well, and there's an opportunity to do that in the show notes. You can also go to my website, earthseedtemplearts.com, and click on Mystery School, and you will see where you can join us. If you choose to work with Garnet, I invite you, you can sleep with it, you can place a small piece in your navel and your belly button. If you do not have any Garnet, that's okay. You have received a part of the transmission of Garnet's wisdom through this episode. And so I invite you to really call forth the frequency of Garnet to call forth the sentient wisdom of Garnet and honor your dream time as a sacred time for healing and reclaiming what has been forgotten. And as you drift off to sleep, you can ask aloud or to yourself, what does my ancestral lineage long for me to remember? To travel with the sacred stone into the rich cave within Mother Earth will assist you in remembering your ancient wisdom. And Garnet imprints the message that you have the resources to get through this, this now moment. These exact times we are alive in. You have everything you need. You are enough. I would love to encourage you to make sure you're receiving my weekly Venetian love notes. I do have a free complimentary gift coming at some point in the near future. I am a busy, busy person these days, and there's so much I want to create, and it is sometimes honestly hard to keep up with myself. And in turn, I am also calling forth, I am seeking to manifest an amazing, amazing administrative assistant, someone who either lives in the Asheville area or who is very capable of working virtually, who is savvy with tech and wanting to help support me and keeping up with the back end of my website and my podcasting platforms so that I have more time to create my magic out in the world. And I'm also calling in an amazing, amazing social media manager. I have so much content. I just don't have enough time to compile it all and post in the ways that I want to. And so if you are that person please email support at earthseedtemplearts.com. I am seeking high caliber people who want to grow over time, who want to help me grow in my work and who are dedicated and devoted. So I'm putting that official call and prayer out because for many years I have been the mistress of many arts, wearing many hats in my business. I create my graphics, I update my website, I do all the tech for my podcast, 
I do all the back-end administrative work for all of my offerings, and I'm really good at it. And at the same time, it's not my zone of genius. My zone of genius is creating content and hosting events and creating ceremonies and facilitating sacred space for people and bringing people on pilgrimage. And I want to do more of that. And I'm so grateful you're here with me on this podcasting journey. Many of you know my work, and I want to say that I've been studying the stars now for over 25 years, nearly going on 30 years, and I just completed my dissertation to receive a Master of Arts in Cultural and Astronomy and Astrology through the Sophia Center based out of the University of Wales. And in my dissertation, I discussed the great conjunctions of 2020. I also just found out last Friday that I received merit on my dissertation. So I'm feeling pretty proud of that. And I would love for you to know I utilize Western tropical astrology techniques, Meldine, traditional, psychological, evolutionary, mundane, and intuitive methods. And as of now in my podcasting journey, there have been almost 22,000 downloads over the course of this journey. My goal is to double that within the next year. And I so encourage you, if you have not already, to leave a review on iTunes for this podcast, to rate it, to like it on whatever platform you listen to the podcast, to share it with three friends who you feel will benefit or three beloveds, and yeah, just to help spread the good word. I place so much energy and intention into preparing these podcasts and recording them and editing them and getting them out. And so I need your help in sharing the good word. Also, I want to again invite you to consider joining us in the spring 2022 Council of Earthseed. I will not be offering this again until 2023. Earthseed was created exactly for these times to help you navigate them, to help you ground to the elements, to work with the chakras, the portals in your body by grounding to the stones, to really understand this wheel of the year, the solar gates and the lunar rhythms and how when we can harness those frequencies, we are really sovereign and authority in our physical bodies. With that, I also want to encourage you to um, come to some of my live offerings if you live in the Asheville area or you're going to be passing through. On Saturday, the 23rd of April at West Asheville Yoga, I'm offering a Beltane Eclipse Portal Promise workshop that will meld yogic technology, meditation, astrology, mantra, sound healing. It's going to be beautiful and that's open to all people. And then on Sunday, the 24th of April, 
we're hosting the Women's Wisdom Circle for the Taurus New Moon Beltane Eclipse Portal. It is going to be super beautiful and also very profound for all of us, for some of us, deeply, deeply intense. I'm hosting that circle a little bit before the new moon because I will be away on the eclipse. I will be gathering with a number of professional astrologers for a conference, and I'm so excited to be out there in the world rubbing elbows with many, many professional astrologers and geeking out and soaking up so much wisdom that I can in turn offer you all. On the 15th of May, Sunday, I am offering a Scorpio full flower moon workshop. This is open to all beings, but will be very limited in the amount of people that can join in. Seven is my maximum. I might even bring it down to five. And we're going to work with astrology, yogic technology, meditation, mantra, long gong to prepare you for that full lunar eclipse that will be in the wee hours of Monday, the 16th of May. Finally, on the 29th of May, which is a Sunday, there will be the Gemini Dark Moon Women's Wisdom Council, and that will be the final opportunity to gather with me in person until the middle of July, as I have extensive travel plans, including a summer solstice pilgrimage planned for June of 2022. I'd just like to take a moment to invite you to a benefit called Blossom and Become that is hosted by Earth Path Education. This is a memorial benefit for Courtney Brooke, a dear sister in our Asheville community. She's not a person that I knew deeply. However, I know she touched many, many lives in this community, and I know she touched my daughter's life as well because my daughter got to work with her. Um, She left the earth plane in a tragic car accident that was also part of that super magnetic eclipse portal that um, many, many people left the planet within. And so Earth Path Education, which is a phenomenal organization spearheaded by my sister, Lena, is creating this scholarship fund. And so this is a benefit to raise funds for these scholarships. And it's going to be on Saturday, the 16th of April at Willow Moon Farm Creek in Jupiter, Florida. The tickets to join in are $25 to $100 sliding scale. The performances and all of the beautiful offerings for this Blossom and Become extend from the hours of 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. And I know that it is a benefit to raise money for these really important scholarships to open up more opportunities for the rites of passage program. 
However, if you do want to join in and money is an issue, I know that no one will be turned away. So you can check out more information at earthpatheducation.com. And I really hope that event thrives. I wish I could be out there for it. I have plans that have been in place for that day. But if you're in the Asheville area, please support the good work of Earth Path Education in the name of Courtney Brooke. And this brings us to Thursday, April 14th. Mars will enter Pisces. And Mars in Pisces is sometimes like really caught up in the dream world, very intuitive, very psychic, wanting to create and flow, but not always so action-oriented. So that's going to kind of slow down some of our energy. But honestly, I think it's going to be good considering how we're coming out of on a slow, slow level that Jupiter-Neptune conjunction. And as we're preparing for the Libra full moon, I just feel like it's going to help us be a little more reflective. On the 16th of April is when we meet the Libra full moon. Some call this a wind full moon as it initiates spring here for us in the Northern Hemisphere. And I'm just taking a moment to pull the chart up so I can look at this as I speak to you. The full moon is exact at 2.54 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And with any full moon, the sun and the moon oppose, meaning they sit directly across the wheel. The sun is at 26 degrees, 45 arc minutes, Aries, and is conjunct Eris and Pallas Athene and Aries. So there's this real strong warrior, feminine, high-minded, very creative, very justice-focused frequency that is also bringing in some discord, you know, not having a problem with like shaking things up as they need to be. And this energy opposes the Libra moon at 26 degrees, 45 arc minutes. The moon trines Mars in Pisces at one degrees, 15 arc minutes and Juno in Aquarius at 28 degrees, 36 arc minutes. Saturn is also in that mix at 23 degrees, 21 arc minutes. And then we have Black Moon Lilith at zero degrees, 12 arc minutes, Cancer. And so these bodies create this trine of free-flowing, beneficial gifts, so to speak. And so the call is to really like notice how we're moving through our relationships and where are we giving our power away through the feminine frequency? Where are we potentially like smothering or Where are we holding back our emotions and um, almost like kind of like brooding or being clannish? And 
as these limitations are being set forth, like really taking awareness around like, what are we committed to in our lives right now? How are we working the Saturn and Aquarius energy where we have less than a year to go of Saturn and Aquarius? And it's a really good time, especially with Juno in the final degrees of Aquarius to be asking like, how are we committed to doing the Saturn work? What are we standing for? Where are we being of service, of real true service in our lives? Where are we uh, seeing kind of like that dark side of the age of Aquarius? And how? Are, what are we doing about it? Like, how are we protecting our identities and our sovereignty? And how are we working consciously with technology, but also staying human within that? That's really important. This concept around staying human and it is why I am so passionate about Earthseed because the truth is, is technology is not going anywhere right now. And we, for many of us, are like a number of people remember life without cell phones. And then there's now generations that have grown up with cell phones. And Those of us who remember life before cell phones and before holding computers in the palm of our hands, we are really well aware that no one taught us about the right use of technology. No one taught us healthy boundaries around using an iPhone or a smartphone. We've seen really poor boundaries around this. And these devices are portals. They're literal portals into other realms and other dimensions. And now they're portals into every aspect of other people's lives. And what does this mean? Like, how do we feel about this? How do we allow this technology to just come through in our lives? And what do we want to do better and differently? And I think that there's something really available to be receiving in regards to those topics in our awareness around this full moon and as we get into the Beltana eclipse portal, which I'm really excited about this eclipse portal. I hope I'm not eating those words later because a couple of years ago, I was so excited about the eclipse portal in May of 2020. And wow, that eclipse portal had so much to teach me. If I had known what was coming, uh, well, for one, I would not have launched a podcast around then because there's been a lot of a lot of death that I've been experiencing through the duration of this podcast. And sometimes when we go through really intense times, it can be hard to put ourselves out here in these ways because we we live in an age that is so transparent. In the age of Aquarius, you can't hide anything. And it can be hard to be vulnerable when you're really going through things. However, one of the many things I've learned in sitting with Elder Maladoma is that 
Vulnerability is so beautiful and such a gift to offer others. I don't regret any of my choices. And I hope and pray that the spaces and places I'm vulnerable make others feel safe in that as well. And as we look to this Libra full moon opposing the sun in Aries, there is this dance around identity and who we are and our inner child and our core wounds and traumas and then how we're relating to others and what that means and how we show up in the world. And the sun and moon are squaring Pluto and Pluto is at 28 degrees, 33 arc minutes, Capricorn. As we know, the Pluto return for the United States is underway, full on force. And so on a collective level, we want to be kind of watching to see what's happening in the current events, the global events around this full moon to get a sense of what is going on with the United States through this return. It's a good kind of check-in moment. And the moon is also parallel Venus in this full moon. And Venus rules the Libra moon and she's in Pisces in her exalted state. And she's coming to meet Neptune and Jupiter at 25 degrees Pisces. She's at 12 degrees, eight arc minutes. And so she's coming to like really apply, like she's asking each one of us to apply our love and our values around this massive spiritual vision. This Jupiter-Neptune conjunction in Pisces is like an opportunity to multiply these miracles in your life particularly whatever house is being affected. It's so potent and such a gift to be able to live through this. So we have Venus ruling the moon and she's exalted. And then the sun is the ruler of the chart when I cast it for Asheville. So it's going to change depending on a location. But I found this really interesting because the sun is the ruler when I when I cast the chart for Asheville. And then the sun is in Aries, where it is exalted as well. And as I mentioned, is conjunct both Eris and Pallas Athene. Meanwhile, the sun is approaching conjunction, a marriage with Mercury and Uranus and the North Node in Taurus. So this Libra full moon is... I I rarely say this. I I normally say the new moon opens up the eclipse portal, but I feel like there's something real particular with this Libra full moon that's opening up eclipse season for us for this Beltana time. And the Sabian symbol for 27 degrees Libra is an airplane sails high in the clear sky. This is about a consciousness that is able to transcend the conflicts and pressures of personal life. 
the capacity that is latent in every individual, how to contemplate the stress of existence in our world of duality from a higher level. With the backing of our ancestors, one may gain a new perspective on human problems and reach freedom and peace in a supernatural realm of being. And the star sparks for this 27 degrees Libra is a black leopard beneath a full moon, speaking to how our instincts are a gift to track the subtle senses, empowering one to tap into the subtle layers in all that is said and done to claim the resilient spirit, to harness the lost instincts of your ancestors, to trust the inward experience as there are so many reasons not to. And when we utilize meditation, we may find that miracles will arise. I found this so beautiful and so connected to all the threads we've talked about, we've explored in this episode 49 around the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction and the dream seeding with Garnet The affirmation for this Libra full moon is, I accept that I am made in the image of the divine. As we come to Tuesday, the 19th of April, the sun shifts into Taurus and we are coming into that earthy, stable, fixed frequency that is ruled by Venus, just wanting us to like slow down, enjoy the dew of the grass as the sun rises, and to hear the sound of the bumblebee and to smell the scent of the rose and to feel what it means to be alive, to be in our complete sensuality, to work with that frequency of the courtesan and the artist and the lover and the dancer and the builder, to work with our hands, to put them in the earth, to feel the soil, to feel the temperature of cold, fresh spring water, to drink that water like it's liquid gold and feel it move through the body, to really be in our embodiment. And this Taurus season has so much to teach us as we close out the month with the second new moon and the partial solar eclipse. When we come to the 20th of April on that Wednesday, Juno, that which we are married to, shifts into Pisces. And with that, we are going to close our circle through episode 49. We have traveled far and wide. And my prayer for you is that this entry, this reception of the miracle frequency of Jupiter and Neptune coming together in Pisces at this 24 degrees that it fills your well from deep, deep, deep down within and that that well 
opens your ability to really extend out through your nervous system and to feel as if you belong here on the planet for these times, that you are enough, that you are so full and that your medicine is meant to move through you and that you are truly meant to thrive in these times. And I invite you to continue forth to experience the Garnet Meditation that I crafted for the Temple of Garnet for Earthseed as a hope and a prayer that this meditation will really ground and anchor you with this Jupiter-Neptune journey. A part of me was called to create a water-earth meditation for rebirth and renewal. However, when I was holding the temple gate open for the Temple of Garnet for Earthseed, I got the real strong message that this needed to be shared with many, many people because as we look to some of the special frequencies of this Jupiter-Neptune conjunction, we can see that it is so powerful and it's going to take us into the year of 2032. And the more grounded and present we can show up for this medicine and this encounter with these benefic beautiful planets that want to support our vast spiritual growth, we are really able to consciously architect this new earth as we take sacred steps forward in our lives to create practical embodiment. May there be peace to the east. May there be peace in the south. May there be peace in the west. May there be peace in the north. May there be peace deep, deep into the heart of Mother Earth. May there be peace that extends up and out through the cosmos, so vast, so far, so wide. And may there be peace deep within your heart. And so it is, and so it is, and so it is. Ashe, blessed be. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Seeding the Dream. Please come make yourself comfortable, either seated or lying down. And if you are lying down, make sure your legs are uncrossed. Make sure your body is warm and that your biological needs have been tended to and that all electronics are silenced and the door of the space you're in is closed if that's possible for you. And just really becoming present to this now moment. And I'm going to invite you to place your hands into a mudra, an earth mudra, which call, which is called Prithvi Mudra. You're going to place the tips of the thumb and the ring finger so they touch one another using a light pressure 
And you're going to do this with both hands, extending all of the other fingers. And this is a very grounding mudra. You can do it up to 15 minutes, three times a day. It's going to assist you with anchoring into your root chakra. And it's also really great for the senses, for your ability to smell. It can prevent colds and flus. It's good for the nails, the skin, the hair, the bones. And it helps us to restore our equilibrium and our trust. It activates our root chakra, which is where our elemental forces reside. Our roots sprout to give stability and allow us to absorb the nutrients that we need to thrive in this lifetime. We need stability and nourishment to grow and to be efficient in our purpose here on earth. So this mudra can give you so much for a meaningful life. And if you're feeling insecure and need some inner stability and self-assurance, or if you want to warm the body up or stimulate the liver or the stomach, it's very beneficial. So your hands are here in this mudra, the thumb and the ring fingers pressing on each hand, the other fingers extended, and you're breathing some nice long deep breaths, your eyes are closed, and you're just anchoring deeper, deeper in. Imagine that you're absorbing the earth energy through the soles of your feet and guide it up through your legs and your back and allow that to travel all the way up your spine, into your head, all the way out into the cosmos. And hold your breath and then exhale like a golden rain. This energy sinks back to earth as a renewing force. And you're going to inhale again. Imagine you're absorbing the beautiful energy from Mother Earth up through the soles of your feet, up through your legs and your back, trailing up your spine into your head, out into the cosmos. And then exhale, bring that down like a golden rain. And now we're going to wake up our awareness to our Earth Star Chakra. So imagine your Earth Star, which is about a foot below your two feet. Imagine it opening like the petals of a water lily or a lotus flower or a very large rose. And these beautiful roots emerge from the soles of your feet and the palms of your hands and the base of your spine to travel down to your earth star. And they intertwine and they pass down through the earth star deep into mother earth all the way down through the layers of sediment and soil all the way down 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 deep deep down sinking all the way down to great grandmother hematite and she welcomes you she welcomes you to anchor into her into her womb into her iron-rich, molten space where you feel that warmth, you feel nourishment, you feel radiance, you feel complete and utter support for all 
that you have here on earth. You feel nourished and fed in all the spaces and places that perhaps you've most suffered in this incarnation. Great-grandmother Hematite really wishes to feed you and love on you in those spaces. And so you begin to draw this protective, nourishing energy up and you feel it pass up through those layers of sediment and soil, traveling all the way up through your earth star chakra, up through your feet, your knees, into your hips, these roots spreading from the hips to the base of your spine and your red root chakra. And you notice this wheel of light that sits at the base of your spine, just taking a moment to notice, to be curious, to bring your awareness here. And with that, you feel the force of gravity bringing you back down through your legs, your knees, your ankles, through the soles of your feet, back down, down through the foundation of where you live, down into earth, down through the layers of sediment and soil. And you find yourself entering within this beautiful temple of garnet. You enter in through the gates and you come into this most exquisite cave with running water and so many garnets, the pomegranate stone everywhere and so many different colors. However, that which sticks out to you is the red, deep, rich blood color, just as if you were cutting open a pomegranate and holding one of those seeds in your hand. And the color, the juice bursts on your fingers and you feel that, you feel that passion and that joy in the space and you also feel so full and nourished. And so you come into this temple and you find a space and a place for your body to rest and reside here. Perhaps you're seated or you're lying down. Whatever you're called to do, trust that in this now moment. And you allow yourself to really anchor in here. As you do, you begin to Notice your connection to all of life. Notice your ability to manifest and how you feel about it. Notice your prosperity, your connection to abundance, to vitality, to money, to resources, and your health your ability to be present, to have presence, and your ability to enjoy, to enjoy that which surrounds you, that which you do have, a stream of life running through you. There's a constant exchange with the earth. You give and you receive. The earth gives and the earth receives. And this is the way it goes through nature, through the elements. 
Your body is the foundation, the journey where you begin. And garnet in all of her colors, red, green, yellow, orange, brown, pink, purple, gray, black. She carries iron. She carries manganese. And these come together to create this deep nurturance and stability, helping to free you from any entanglements, to be unbounded, to resort resort to coming up with solutions, to resolve conflicts between the self and the world. Garnet teaches you that you are strong enough to endure that which is before you. Her red iron rich blood loves to be on your navel or below your navel, touching your body. Garnet invokes the reality that you are alive. You are juicy, you are passionate, you are luscious. You have blood pulsing through you and that blood is life. It is literal life. And within that blood, there are so many codes of information, ancient codes, ancient codes that go all the way back to your ancient indigenous ancestors and many other codes, codes from those who have come before you that you've known. And most likely you've known many of these codes that have been distorted through time and space. And Garnet, Garnet imprints the message that you are enough, that you are full, and that you have all the resources to transcend, to transform that which is before you, that which you feel that instinctual desire to shift This is the medicine of Garnet. Garnet moves blood, allowing you to express feelings that have been bound, that have been hidden, that have been repressed. Garnet moves the blood where we have been listless, where we have been disassociated, where we have been stagnant, where we feel stagnant, where there has been trauma and depression. Garnet moves, moves these channels, opening the blood, opening our liver, our heart, and our kidneys. Garnet assists with healing hormonal imbalances and bringing in so much beautiful passion into our lives. This is very much a grounding and a strengthening stone and crystal. It's also very stimulating, stimulating to our root and our crown so we can have a free flow of energetic movement. Garnet allows us to regenerate our emotions and our intellect. Garnet allows you to let go of the obsolete ideas, rebalancing and instilling leadership. And it is believed that Garnet carries this flash of lightning 
acting with speed, allowing you to expand and manifest, to awaken your internal fire, to allow your creativity to rise. This is a stone of commitment to purpose, to others, and most importantly, to yourself. And as a powerful talisman, garnet wards off danger, bringing in great prosperity. Garnet may be invited into your dreams, not only to clear trauma, however, to manifest, to build anew with the force of the kundalini frequency, imprinting your blood with the message that yes, you have the resources to get through this. You are enough. You are full. And so I invite you to draw this beautiful anchoring wisdom of Garnet up, up from her temple, up from her temple, bringing your awareness back up through the layers of sediment and soil, up through your earth star chakra, up through the soles of your feet, up through your knees and the rest of your legs, up into the hips and up to the base of the spine where that red root chakra, Muladhara, sits, the chakra of matter, survival and form. And see this wheel of light, see this wheel of light, the beginning where we ground where we honor the body consort as the body temple. Grounding to the earth with food, literally taking in the fruits of the earth, consuming with that consciousness, sensing that ability to smell, to be present, a willingness to be honest and real to what is here and now anchoring into your security, your ability to survive and thrive, the foundations of self. So noticing the space right at the bottom, the base of your spine, in between the anus and the sex organs, notice the space of security and loyalty, stability, and healthy elimination and feel, feel the awakening, the frequency of the Kundalini being integrated here and balanced in the red root chakra where the two frequencies of prana and apana come together. Prana, that life force that we take in and apana, our ability to gracefully and elegantly let go. Mutual reciprocity. We give and we receive. We give and we receive. And so anchor into this space of one, of manifestation, of purity and sovereignty. With the sound current of Lam, feel that frequency of Lam, at your red root, lam, lam, lam. And notice the four red petals open, 
like a beautiful rose. Open and anchor into Mother Earth even greater with the assistance of Garnet. Just like a beautiful new moon beginning a new cycle. Just as we sit in the frequency of Yule, the seed being planted, what are you seeding with Garnet? Where is your self-mastery wishing to come alive? And how can you anchor even deeper into your body as your holy sacred temple? Knowing that the power of Mother Earth, the subterranean, vast landscape is always here for you, rooting you, connecting you. And feeling how when we start, when we start in the sacred way, we start with structure and we start with purpose, just like that frequency of Capricorn, that frequency of self-mastery and vision, being able to manifest and build. We start from a place where we may thrive. So as you are seeding the dream, I invite you to speak this affirmation into the space. The power of the earth gives me secure stability. Staying power and assertiveness self-assurance and self-confidence. The power of the earth gives me secure stability, staying power and assertiveness, self-assurance and self-confidence. The power of the earth gives me secure stability, staying power and assertiveness self-assurance and self-confidence and so it is and so it is and so it is ashe blessed be and begin to take some nice long deep breaths just taking a moment to come back fully into your physical body knowing that you have worked now so intimately with garnet and welcoming, welcoming this initiation, perhaps beginning to wiggle through the fingers and the toes, rubbing together the palms of the hands and the soles of the feet. Breathing nice, long, deep breaths. And I invite you to just take your time coming back up to sit and if you have the space taking a moment to have a journal and a pen and reflect on your journey with Garnet may you thrive as you seed 
your most sacred, potent dreams, and may you bring them into rich manifestation in service and devotion, giving and receiving in mutual reciprocity with Mother Earth. I'd like to share this prayer with you to close our circle. Prayer for stability. I stand today and for all times as a wise and loving adult in this world. I trust myself and I trust in the goodness in all hearts. I hold love and stability in this world and fashion my life accordingly. I honor and respect those who may be fearful and recognize that many are still young. I will live with my eyes, ears, and heart open. I will build the life I came to build. And so it is. Dive in with me at earthseedtemplearts.com and you can follow me on Instagram at earthseedtemplearts. Thank you so much for sharing sacred space. My prayer is that we as individuals awaken to the reality that each one of us is a hologram for the collective. By being fierce in our authentic truth, we have the opportunity to elevate life on this exquisite planet Earth crystallize your medicine.